Today uh, in history has been known and, and referred to as what we know of, of Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the start of Holy Week. It's also known the, the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, it's the week in which Jesus uh, came on the triumphal entry uh, for what we know as the time in which Jesus came as the Passover lamb. He was the final sacrifice uh, that came on your behalf, on my behalf. And as we look at this story for just a few minutes, this morning is going to look a little bit different than what we, we usually do if you're okay with that. But we're going to uh, really look at from Exodus chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and, and turn there real quickly. Um, Exodus chapter 12, verses 7 through 13. And over the years, as God is just continuing to just speak to me and challenge me and just really um, show me uh, His Word, and as I uh, was really studying this particular passage and as we uh, come into the Easter season, um, i got to be honest, it wasn't since a couple of years ago that I really kind of put two and two together. And my prayer is, is that you, maybe for the first time, will be in awe of God's Word, but in awe of what the meaning of Passover, uh, the first meaning was, and, and how it came to be when, when Jesus came at just the right time as He came into Jerusalem, as they were starting to celebrate the Passover. It's an eight-day festival in which they had been celebrating for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and it's not by accident in which Jesus came at just the right time into Jerusalem for the triumphal entry, entry to be the final lamb sacrifice, the blood sacrifice that has always been to be the covering of sin. So I want to take just a moment, I want you to, to kind of see in Exodus chapter 12 and it will give us a better idea of where we're going uh, this morning in the New Testament. So Exodus chapter 12, if you don't have a Bible, it will be there on the screen as well. We're going to be starting in verse uh, 7, we're going to read this together this morning. It says, Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. I want to stop there for a moment because I want to kind of give some background to what's going on here. The Israelites, God's people, had been in captivity for over 400 years as slaves in the country of Egypt. Many of us know the story. Joseph came there. If you remember the story of the, of the coat of many colors, he's the one who, who actually led them into freedom into Egypt. And they had, they had many, many years of, of blessings and many, many years of fruitfulness. But there came a time when, when different people came into, into office and, and they started persecuting the Jewish people. So, so during this time, they had been in captivity for over 400 years. And we know the man by the name of Moses who tried to take things in his own hands, but it wasn't the right time. Anybody been there before? You tried to jump the gun on God's calling in your life. Maybe you did something. You knew that God was maybe speaking. You knew that God was calling you to that, but you took it in your own hands and you did something before God actually wanted you to do. That's exactly what Moses did. He took things in his own hand. He murdered someone, all right, and then he fled. And then he fled. 
And then God's calling was still there. And as he was there for many, many years, God was was restoring him. And he called him back to the place to be the one who would help free the Israelites from bondage. So that's kind of what's going on in the story there. They, 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 all they know is bondage. All they know is slavery. They've been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. So that's kind of the backdrop of the story here this morning. Verse 11, let's look at that. It says, this is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. There were ten plagues in which God sent... And this was the last plague in which came to Pharaoh and said, you know what, just just go. Just just go. And so this is kind of what's taking place here. This is the tenth and final plague that's taking place in Egypt. Verse 13, it says, The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destruction plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Verse 21, skip down. It says, Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and both the sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your houses until morning. Verse 23. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, He will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over the doorway. And He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Verse 24. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and for your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as He promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when He struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. Verse 28, the Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Verse 30, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was a loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. Fast forward 1400 Years. 1400 years. This was something that God wanted them to remember what God had done for them. So, this has been a celebration now for us about 3,500 years that is taking place every year during the time of Passover. And so, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, that's kind of what's taking place. Actually, that's not kind of, that's exactly what's taking place is they are celebrating the freedom that God gave them. They are remembering what God had done in their lives. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you had celebrated and remembered what God has done in your life? Think about that. 
When is the last time that you have celebrated and just worshipped God because what He has done in your life? Fast forward again, as I said, 1,400 years. I love what Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the un." Godly. So, so this, this wasn't just, uh, just any time. This wasn't like, you know what, second chance or you know what, this is a plan B or plan C. This was something that God fulfilled the prophecies of hundreds of prophecies all through the Old Testament that Jesus would come at just the right time to go to the cross to bear what you and I could never bear. We're going to watch a quick video uh, this morning. It, it comes straight from Luke chapter 19. I just want to kind of give you a visual of what's taking place uh, during this time as the Passover feast is taking place, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. So we're going to take just a moment. Go ahead and play that video there. I wanted to show that short clip. Um, I think sometimes visually when we see things, sometimes it has more impact on us. And in verse 41 there, as it says that Jesus was riding into Jerusalem. Something so powerful there. One of the most, I think, one of the most powerful phrases of the Easter story. It's, of, it's in verse 41 of Luke chapter 19. And it, and it says this, as he, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, It says he wept over it. It says that he wept over it. 
You know, if I was to put my shoes or put myself in the shoes of Jesus, I, I would be weeping because of what's to come, what's going to happen to me. But, but Jesus, listen to this, Jesus was weeping because of the lostness that he saw around him. As, as he sees the people who were celebrating, as he sees the people that, that many of us, that we can go through the motions and we can, we can celebrate who God is, but our heart is far from Him. Jesus rode into Jerusalem and He wasn't weeping at this time what was going to happen to Him. There was a time in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was, he was God. If there's any way that you can take this from me, please take this from me. Take this cup from me. But in this instance, as He's riding into Jerusalem, for the very first or for the very last time to celebrate, and all these people were here because of the Passover, he rides into Jerusalem because he is weeping over the lostness. Because he knows that people do not understand in that moment who he is. And my question for you and I when is the last time that we have just wept over the lostness we see around us? Does it bother us? When is the last time that you have just been burdened? Maybe for a neighbor, maybe for a spouse, maybe, maybe for a coworker. You're just burdened for their souls to know Jesus because you know He is the only one. God's Word says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one has peace. No one has joy. No one has the comfort in which they were looking for except through Jesus. And Jesus made a way for you and I almost 2,000 years ago, and we celebrate this Easter season. But this really challenged me as I read this this morning. Like, when is the last time? You see, I, I get so selfish. I don't know about you, but I get selfish many times in my life. And I just worry about my needs, my comfort, the things that happen around me. How dare they? Whatever the situation is. And I was so challenged here. When is the last time that I have been personally burdened for the lostness of the people that many of us do life with every day? Turn over to Mark chapter 14. We're going to be there just for a moment this morning. Mark chapter 14. We're going to be looking at the the biblical account and the significance of the Passover. Passover is also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the meal in which Jesus was preparing for, His disciples were preparing for. And in this moment, in this time as in which Jesus also made it known as the Lord's Supper or, or communion or the Last Supper or the sacraments, depending on which type of church you might have grown up in, all the same thing. Mark chapter 14, we're going to be in verse 12. It says, On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked Him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? I want to stop there for a minute because this is a very interesting. It says, it says the Passover lamb. I, I love what John describes of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29. Here, here's how John describes Jesus. He says, look... 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I want you to see the significance here because it took me many years to really see this. And for me, it took on a whole new meaning of, of, of the goodness and the greatness and, and the mighty power, the God that we serve, that almost 3,400 years after the fact, when Jesus came at just the right time, the significance that it had in which blood was always the thing that covered the sacrifice of sin. And Jesus ordained, God ordained the perfect time for Him to come at this moment, for Him to be the final sacrifice. And because of what He has done, nothing that you and I could ever do, not because of what Jesus has done and the blood that He shed, you and I can have eternal life with God the Father. Let's keep going. Verse 13. It says, So he sent his two disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters. The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. Here's what we're going to do. I want to take just a moment, and I want you to see four observations here. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down real quickly. There's four observations I want to make about the Last Supper this morning before before we have a chance to personally take of it of ourselves. And then the first observation that we see of the Lord's Supper is, is the intentional preparation that is needed. The intentional preparation that is needed. Uh, how many of you celebrate Christmas and Thanksgiving like it is a smorgasbord of all things? Anybody? I mean, like, like you will cook for days. You will think about that one meal and you will shop. Some of you are like, no, I just order Chinese, actually. All right, some of you are like, okay. Anyway, some of you do that because of all the preparation that might go into place. And and you think about the preparation that took place in Exodus chapter 12 that God said, you know what? You need to prepare. You need to prepare. And, and, And just as the Passover had been celebrated each year, it was a time of preparation. And just for you and I, it's a time of of preparation in our lives. Maybe for some of us, that preparation is to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time. Maybe for some of us, it's to get off this path and to get on this path. Maybe for some of us, it's to stop walking in that direction and to turn around and start walking in this direction. Maybe for some of us, it's to let God come in and exemplify Himself in our lives and say, God, I want you to, if there's anything in me, if there's anything in me that's not of you, I want you to reveal that to me. It's an intentional preparation The second observation that we see, it's a personal heart preparation. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is teaching, he's he's preaching to the the church in Corinth, and he's he's talking to them about the Lord's Supper, and he's kind of giving some guidelines, and he kind of started doing some things outside of what God wanted them to do. And he said, you know what, There's, there's a heart preparation here. 
Just like when God says in the Old Testament, you know what? Don't bring your sacrifice here if you have something against your brother. Go and do that first. Like get your heart right before you come before the Lord. And, and how many times have we just haphazardly just come before God and just walk through the motions of things? And God says, you here, prepare your hearts. You're coming before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're coming before the one who has always been. You're coming before the one who has borne the sins that you made on himself so that you could have a relationship with the Father. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. He says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on them. So here's what Paul's saying. This is something that we should take seriously. This is something that we should take seriously. There has to be intentional preparation. There must be a personal heart preparation. And the third thing, it's a fitting representation. Mark chapter 14, verse 22. It says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when He had given thanks, He he broke it and gave it to His disciples, saying, Take it, this is My body. You see, if you're putting your, yourselves in the, in the shoes of the disciples, they were a little confused here. They, they weren't exactly sure what Jesus was talking about here. You see, many of the people, many of the disciples of that time thought Jesus was going to, to rule as an earthly king and, and many people were just waiting for Him to overthrow and, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. The kingdom that I rule is is so much bigger than what you are seeing here. I I didn't come with the sword, but I came with with peace. And as Jesus is sharing this, I want you to understand the disciples are trying to to understand this. Maybe like some of us for the very first time, like, like what's Jesus talking about here? What's the meaning of, of the communion? What's the meaning of the Lord's Supper? And he says, you know what? As I take this bread, something that's been done year after year after year after year after year, and they knew this from their great-grandparents and their great-great-grandparents. They understood what the Passover feast, they understood what the celebration was. And so Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. This bread is, is something that's going to be broken for you. He goes on in verse 23. He says, then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. You see this bread that once represented the freedom and deliverance of the Jewish people out of Egypt now represents also the deliverance from sin through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus says, My body, my life that I have lived and that I will give is being offered so that you may live. 
He takes the cup and he says, This cup now represents my blood, which is shed for many for the, uh, for the atonement of sin. And then the word atonement uh, literally means the payment for sin or, or, the, or to reconcile. Many of us understand the word reconciliation. Maybe you've had a relationship that had maybe gone sour, gone bad, and, and, and in reconciliation you came in, in good standing and right standing again. So, and so Jesus says, the blood that I'm going to shed for you is going to restore you, is going to reconcile you now back to the Father. Do you see the significance of this? You see what happens many times in my life as I hear it, and I'm like, yeah, I've been there, done that, I hear it. Easter, yeah, eggs, bunnies, all these types of things. Yes, cross, grave, all of these things. But the significance of what Jesus came and did for you and I, something that you can never do for yourself, something that I can never do for myself, The shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross was so that His disciples might experience release from the penalty of sin. His sacrifice purchased your forgiveness. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. The Lord is speaking to Moses, giving him some instructions here. And I love this verse. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And the significance here is Jesus is saying, you know what, boys? I'm about to do this for you. I'm about to do this for you. Intentional preparation. Personal heart preparation. A fitting representation. And number four, a joyful anticipation. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 14, it says this. It says, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. You see, the fellowship would continue. This implies Christ's resurrection. The fellowship would be restored. In addition, because He was resurrected, so shall we also. John 14, 1-4. Many of you know this verse. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will... There's a promise there. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. You see, this morning we have an opportunity, and we will in just a few minutes, to observe, to remember the Lord's Supper, the sacrifice that He has made for each and every one of us. 
And we can celebrate with joyful anticipation the day that comes that, that each of us stand before God. Like, like, I can't even wait for that day. Where there is no more crying, there is no more sickness, there is no more pain, there is no more sin. I mean, can you imagine that? To stand before God, the the Creator God who loves you, and He made a way at just the right time for you. So that you and I can have a relationship with the God who created you, who knows you better than yourself, who loves you, who adores you. But just like in Exodus chapter 12, God heeded the instructions. He said, you know what? I'm giving you some warning here. Something has to happen. We must prepare ourselves. Or destruction will come. You see, we're all going to stand before God. And my prayer is is that He welcomes each and every one of you into His kingdom and says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and join me back on stage here. We're going to do the Lord's Supper a little bit uh, different this morning. Um, We're just going to have a time of just preparing our hearts. And if you don't move from your chair, it's totally okay. We're going to take some time, and in your own time, I'm going to ask our two gentlemen to come and to help us out with the Lord's Supper this morning. You see, God's Word is very clear that the Lord's Supper is for those who have surrendered and given their lives to Jesus Christ. There's significance in that. And as Paul says, you know what, if there's something in your life, if there's something in your life that you just need to get right with God, like take this time, don't don't worry about this. Don't don't worry about the meal, Don't, don't worry about this. Get your heart, get your life ready. Prepare your heart before God. I don't know where some of you are. I don't know where some of you. But I know God wants to meet with us. So in your own timing over the next few minutes, you can come and, and take part in the Lord's Supper. If you have kids, you can, they're coming in now. If they've made a decision to follow after Jesus. You can come do this as a family, as individuals. Or you can take this time just to, just to come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to read from you real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He returns. Let's pray together. Father, we just come before You. God, thank You for this morning. 
God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for loving us even when I'm unlovable. God, thank you for being faithful even when I'm unfaithful, Father. God, I pray if there's someone here this morning who has never surrendered their lives, wholly given themselves to you and believed in the sacrifice that you gave us on the cross and that that debt that you paid was enough. And Lord, you didn't stay dead. You rose again so that this morning we can celebrate a risen Savior. Not just a historical figure, not just a a good person, not just a prophet, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all things. God, you desire to have a relationship, God, with us. God, thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray as we leave this place, God, that you you would capture our hearts and our minds, that our lives would, we reflect you in all that we do. God, thank you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.